And hello again, fellow basement dwellers. The music is cut off abruptly, which means it's time for another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. I'm your host, Patrick O'Dowd, back after a week vacation away on the Cape with the family. It was a good time. Left the show in the hands of DPP and Dave. Gentlemen, you are adequate. Thanks. I think that's all I can hope for. Yeah, adequacy, <laughs> adequacy is all we strive for. Mediocrity, Patrick. That's what we are. That's what we're all about. And and you know what? You hit that bullseye. <laughs> no, it's not no, raising guys, the bar. It's it's hitting the bar. Yeah, so. not clearing the bar. Yeah, you guys the jump. did a, I'm kidding. You know that you guys did a great <laughs> job. It was a fun, fun show. I was glad to have a chance to listen to it and hear Dave's true feelings about my dictatorial reign of terror over the bandwagon nerds. Yes. My my true inner feelings. Exactly. And I I noticed the, the rebellion happened right away to the Mel Brooks theme out the window, changing poles, all that. Well, we just kind of felt like it run its course. I mean, you can't just have nothing, but nothing but Mel Brooks movies. Come on. Oh, uh, no, it's called a theme. It's called a theme. There's so many good ones still to do. But sure. uh, I, I guess we should start with me apologizing, because when I put up this week's poll, we're going to just dive right into it. We're going to we're going to talk boys. Episode five, little Disney Park news, how I just can't seem to escape. And we just can't seem to escape the DC Cinematic Universe the last few weeks. Seems like the news has just been rolling like crazy. And then we're going to do another interview this one pulled together by Dave. So well done, Dave. Uh, we're going to have a couple of folks from, uh, and I'm going to forget the name real quick, Odyssey, Odyssey Game Empire, right? Is that, is that the correct? I, I think it's Odyssey Games. I'm not sure if they're keeping the Empire Odyssey part. Odyssey Games? But it, okay. it's, yeah, it, it's the successor to Game Empire in Pasadena. But yeah, you're you're close enough, my friend. That's for sure. Close enough. Again, adequate. Adequate. That's right. We are striving so that, there's the title for the episode, Striving for Average. <laughs> Striving for Average. Well, I mean, we can't all be a, winner's, a winner as you and no. get like the highest download. Ooh, look at me with my new big <laughs> podcast. Everybody's listening. Congratulations, by the way. Jerk, jerk Once in me. a lifetime, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> a winner is you. Look, see what I did there? Yeah, see what I did there? Well done. I'm well very done. clever. See. It, works on, it works on all levels. It did. Right? You know what? I listened... Listen to the show while I was on vacation, both your show and our show. So, you know, great time. Enjoyed uh, enjoyed it thoroughly. And then promptly wrote all the kind of things that I'm going to do to Dave to get my revenge today on, on him after, you know, just the adequacy that was. No, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I just want to know when I, we get to go on Dan's show. That's what I'm waiting for, the invite. Well, I mean, that's a that's a big that's a full room. Like you got four, it's four hosts, right? Like including yes. you, it's four of you. Or, uh, it's kind of yeah, a round a big table. One. Very nice. Well, then you're too short of the maximum for bandwagon nerds, DP. <laughs> hey, so I, when I'm I, ready for the chaos, <laughs> I will bring you guys in. There you go. You know, I was thinking about this though, and I I think that I would be very good for an episode where you focus on retro stuff because I am not up with like current gaming. Like you guys were talking about like game titles and VR stuff. And I remember at one point you were talking about like, who'd want the disc only or the disc compatible PlayStation five. And I'm like me, uh, I'm that guy. 
I need my physical media. I uh, I still believe in firmly holding my media and being able to be like, this is mine. I don't trust it. I don't trust. I'm an old man. Get off my lawn with your digital downloads. <laughs> and I'm the I one. Gotta, and I I'm the it. one. I'm the one. Ten years older, and I'm like, ah, forget. I, we need an environmental footprint. We need to reduce that. Give me the digital only one. I've got a collection of Blu-rays and DVDs that you're welcome to. But like you guys have said before, do you, do you have now a copy of Dumb and Dumber because I need that. Uh, <laughs> that I do. I do have a copy of Dumb and Dumber. As a matter of fact, you should have that movie memorized, Patrick. We we talked about this. Well, we'll talk about it in my review when I return to my East German judge roots. Oh, I I, I can already tell we are not going to agree on this one. <laughs> I fell asleep watching the movie. I found it so boring and tedious. The original or the sequel? The, the sequel, original. I could see the sequel. The original. The, oh, God. At the theater, fell asleep. Was like, this is stupid. Which, it's like, I thought, to well, be. maybe. I, I, it was too stupid. It was too stupid <laughs> for me to stay awake stupid. for. Like, I fell asleep and woke up at the bus scene at the end. Like, that was, wow. like, I don't even remember when I fell asleep. How do you think I made it to the tuxedos? Oh, I know, Dan. I know, DP. It's I, I, <laughs> it's uh, going to be a fun review this week. That's for sure. I, oh. So you're telling so you're telling me there's a chance. So get through Dumb and Dumber. And, and here's the thing is here's the thing is this is all my fault because I didn't pay full attention to the podcast. So this week we we did Spaceballs, which is one of my all time favorite Mel Brooks's movies, and it was funny. This is the one where I was. I ranked it like four and three quarter stars and, or whatever we want to call it. And you guys gave it four and a half. So it's not like you guys didn't like the movie, oh, but it. it was very much. It's my second favorite Mel Brooks movie behind young Frankenstein. And it's, it is not even all that close. And you know, it's funny blazing blazing saddles, which we reviewed two weeks ago. That's actually like my fourth because I, I love history of the world. Part one is like my number three as I'm kind of going through the packing order of, of Mel Brooks films. And by the way, today is Mel Brooks's 94th birthday. Woo-hoo. Happy birthday, so, Mel. Yes, I know he's listening. Sure. You never know. He could be one of the 22, Patrick. You never know. Could be. What What was really nerve-wracking today, though, is when I jumped onto Twitter and saw Mel Brooks trending, because we all know what that means, right? Like, name trending. Usually. Yeah, Especially this year. Yeah, I thought I yeah. thought I was like we lost Mel. Mel was like, I'm cashing in my chips and getting off this planet, taking Spaceball One out to Planet Druidia. So but, he's he's got to have Spaceballs the coffin when he goes. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I was surprised you guys didn't talk a little bit more about the merchandising part of Spaceballs because that's the cleverest joke in the whole movie. Is the 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 expose, not really an expose, but just kind of a call out of George Lucas. And George Lucas was a genius, by the way, with the way that he monetized the marketing and the licensing rights for Star Wars. But like Mel Brooks casting a light on that throughout the entire movie while skewering every sci-fi film that ever existed is my favorite is older Patrick's favorite part of that movie. Because when that movie came out, I was a kid. And things like Pizza the Hut. The Mog, you know, Dom DeLuise and we're doing the pizza voice is just awesome. And um, was it, uh, is it Dick Van Patten? Is that the dad? He's the king. Uh, oh, yeah, the king. Yeah. King, king, king Roland. 
fucking Roland. Just, just all dot yeah, done by Joan Rivers. Just all of those, like the goofy sort of Star Wars jokes, were what really sucked me in forever and watched it over and over and over again. It wasn't until I got older and I'm like, holy crap, he is just eviscerating George Lucas with my space balls, the flamethrower. The kids love this one. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's such a good movie. Such a good movie. And <laughs> evil will always triumph over good. Why Patrick? Because good is dumb. That's right. And that is that there's a lot of truth there. So be sure that uh, that article got up on time. I, you know, I was happy we, we got it up. I got to type it up. I am surprised how much easier it is to type up an article when there's no work in the way and you're just chilling on a beach. <laughs> it does That's, make it convenient. It's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was very happy with that. But um, we we did uh, we did get that article. I'll be able uh, you know, get out there, check out the nerd review. We took a break from Mel Brooks movies this week. And, and I messed up the poll and I want to, I want to own that. I messed up the poll, which is why we're reviewing dumb and dumber because in listening to the podcast, as I was listening to the re-listen and the two of you were talking about, Hey, we should, we should, just, we should just throw some comedies out there of like these sort of eras though. I thought it was interesting. You know, we had two, we had two movies done by the same duo in the Kentucky fried movie and airplane that were put out there, but then you said dumb and dumber and you said, what was the other one that was on there that didn't win on this uh, ball? Naked gun. Yes. Naked, naked, naked gun. gun. Naked gun. That's Chris right. Chris Platt was going to come on the show if the naked, game, the naked gun won so that he could talk about his favorite comedy. But, uh, there was a, there was a fifth movie that you guys talked about later that I missed. Oh, and yeah. I put up the poll and I'm all proud of myself. Like I put up the poll, I put up your new movies and then what I forgot what was the what top was the secret. movie you want top secret top secret which on my Twitter feed got an odd amount of love this week because somebody put out there that top secret was their favorite Val Kilmer movie and they would hear none of it and I enjoy top secret but I'm more of a real genius guy myself he's Iceman to me yeah not I Batman not seen. Batman Iceman. Yeah, when it comes to Val Kilmer, it's tough to see him in anything other than that, <laughs> I guess, just because I, I know that's the where I know him the most from. But he's such a douchebag in that movie. Like, and I love Top Gun. Yeah, and just, I know you're not supposed to like him. I you know you're not supposed to like him because you're dangerous. He's dangerous. You know, yeah, he's, not, he's not Maverick. But at the end, he kind of gets some humble appreciation from Maverick. So it's it's all right. Maverick saved his ass. We all know the truth. You fly with me it's anytime. Your, that's right. Yeah, you could be my wingman anytime. Bullshit, you can be mine. Oh, God, I'm gonna there cry. Yeah, I'm gonna cry so, now. <laughs> stop it, stop it. I know, I know, things get you in the feels awful easily in your advanced years, but let's let's not get out of hand here. Top Gun is not a. Well, okay, when oh, Goose, Goose died, Goose, like, yeah, that, yeah Goose. retract yeah, that statement, Patrick. I, I take it back. I take it back. He didn't need to die, you guys. Yeah, he, he didn't need to. But uh, yeah, so I, I watch left watch the canopy. Off the pole. I left Top Secret off the poll, and therefore, Dumb and Dumber stayed on the poll. And of course, the movie that I, I I'm going to try again, in fairness to the film, to you know, I'm going to try to not fall asleep this time before I East German judge it into oblivion. But this this week's article coming out Thursday Friday ish will be Jim Carrey's classic 
film, Dumb and Dumber. And uh, I'm so excited. Just remember, you don't kill people you don't know. That's a rule. (laughs) See, I fell asleep and don't remember that line. (laughs) Well, see, maybe you can stay awake this time. Now you can enjoy. You can enjoy the magnificence of Dumb and Dumber for what it really is. Well, and the thing is, is I know lines. I know plenty of lines from that movie because of how often they're repeated. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. Like, I know what that's from. Like one in a hundred, more like one in a million. <laughs> right. So I, I'm good. Like I said, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a good try. If anybody's got a copy out there before I get to the library, can ship it to, to Massachusetts. Go for it. Otherwise, I... I feel I'll get it in plenty of time. We'll be able to check it out, but be on the lookout for that. Everybody. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that you're going to have to listen to me. Just shred that movie. Cause I'm going to shred it. I already know you. I'm not sorry that it won, but you know, that's just know me. That's the reason I didn't want it on the poll. Cause I knew, I knew it was going to win. I just knew. Yeah. <laughs> I just, well, and it's not, I don't dislike the movie so much. Cause it was one of my favorites growing up and everything, but I just, I, I wanted to, watch Naked Gun again or I don't know if you know, Naked Top Gun would be interesting or Kentucky yeah. Fried Movie. I think Kentucky Fried Movie would have times, but it's well still at fun. the end of the day, at the end of the day, the poll actually evened itself out pretty pretty well. Uh, I think Naked Gun and Kentucky Fried Movie brought up the rear, but they were tied at around twenty percent. Yeah. And then um Airplane finished Airplane last. was Airplane was was that? Wow. Oh. Was Airplane last? Airplane was last. I'm going to look right now because I'm curious. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think Naked Gun and Kentucky Fried Movie tied. Airplane was last. But for yeah. you know, for a, for a low vote poll, it was still relatively close when, you know, by percentages. So, Yeah, Naked Gun and Kentucky Fried Movie each at 23, Airplane at 18%, Dumb and Dumber 36%. Right. Not bad. So, yeah, not terrible. I do think that at the end of the day, it comes down to sometimes with these polls, it's a little bit of a recency bias uh, as, as really when, if I, I'd be interested to see where our listeners kind of their wheelhouse of movies are. Dan and I talked about this a couple weeks ago when you were in California, the nineties really, when we get to the nineties project, I know that's going to be tough for, for me. Yeah. I think it'll be tough. And you're old, you know, I know the eighties projects was, oh, was a little bit hard. To I love the nineties. The I mean, 80s is my 80s, wheelhouse, but I love the 90s. We're not, we're not, ta- we're not talking about that's that. That's the 70s, Dan. That's the 70s, Dan. Going Dan. By the Casablanca. That's like that shit in Rocky Balboa. What is that, from the 80s? More like the 70s, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to the 90s project. I also got to say, as I've been watching movies with the little O'Dowd the last few mornings, I, w- I almost want to redo the 80s project. <laughs> Because I keep finding movies, and I'm like, oh, shit, this was so good. Like, this morning, I watched UHF. Yeah, I saw you were watching that. And the little O'Dowd loved it. Especially, I think the Conan the Librarian skit was, like, his favorite out out of the whole deal. The don't, you know, the Dewey Decimal System. The book's a little overdue, and he slices him in half. It's uh, It's a lost classic from the. We should do a lost classic. Classics from the 80s or something. That might be fun. Well, yeah, and I almost want to do a deeper dive in, into the 80s at, at some point with comedies, just because I think there's so many that we left off and could talk about. The thing that was really interesting about UHF, UHF tested really well, and the studio was really excited about it, but it bombed abysmally in the theaters. Do you know why? No. 
timing? Was there a timing it, issue? It was a summer release in 1989. Wasn't that Terminator 2? No, that was 91. Oh, it went up against a movie that we are going to be talking about a little bit later in the show. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> just a small little thing that happened in 89. Okay. That, that little Batman movie hit the theaters on the same week and just crushed UHF. There was another movie that came out that same week or around the same time too. But it was like these two movies you just everybody went to see because everybody I how many times did you go see Batman in the theaters? Dave, we'll start with you. I think twice. I mean that's Only a, that, yeah, that was a different time. That's a lot though in the eighties though. Yeah. I, I'll give you that. I mean I, I remember like I was twenty one or something like that. And uh well, you know, when you're twenty one there's uh there's a few other things going on in the world. Did you see it in the theater, Dan? Do I want? Do I want to say after he said he was twenty one that I will say I was eight? When that, yeah, it's <laughs> okay, Dan. It's all right, DP. We know you're the young buck of this group. No, I never actually did not go see that one in the theaters, but I did watch it numerous times on VHS when it came out. That's right. for sure. Yeah, so it is. It comes as no surprise that UHF got just crushed after testing so well. But uh, I, you know, I think that's a that's a conversation for a different day. Maybe we do do. Uh, it's been a while since we've done sort of a cult classic poll. Maybe we pull uh, a cult classic poll out of our out of our collective minds for the next go around. And and UHF, I think, certainly qualifies. Uh, we figure out a couple other comedies or something, something somewhere around a little bit later today. I don't know. I love it. I've been trying to get the missus to watch that, but she absolutely refuses. Why? So. I don't know because it's because it's, <laughs> it's in the same lines of it's terrible and so dumb, you know, that it's not not her cup of tea. But damn it, if it wins the poll, then I've got an excuse. Force her to do <laughs> like, it. Honey, I have to. I, I got to get this, watch this work. thing. It's for work. Gotta I got to do review. it. <laughs> it's for work. I'll, well, I'll make you a Twinkie Wiener sandwich and we can sit down and eat it. And watch. Oh, God, that's so <laughs> gross. I forgot about that. And when he pulls out the Twinkie, he's like, oh, I forgot he's going to do oh. <laughs> Tops it with cheese. The, the cheese. Oh, the cheese he oh. does it. Oh, yeah. The spray cheese. <laughs> oh, God. It's awesome. Uh, Fright- all right. Well, frightening. we. We're going to move on. We got some unpacking to do here, fellows, with the boys. Because we're at episode five. And it seems like every every week, just a little bit more to digest. So, uh, I don't know. Where do you want to start? Where where do we start with this episode? A lot happens. And, There's an understatement. <laughs> well, I liked that uh, Black Noir finally made an appearance and did something. That was kind of interesting. Yes, but we still don't really know what he's all about because he just searched for that dude. I can't remember. I can't remember his name now. Frenchy. Um, Frenchy. Yeah, uh, and you know they they burned him, figured out everything about him, and then Black Noir is out there on the case trying to hunt him down, basically. So I don't know if he's just got that those type of skills where he can hunt down people and follow clues and and catch you, but. That's about all we know from him, and he actually did some did some business, which was kind of interesting, and had a fight with the uh, with the Asian lady that we still really don't know who I've anything did. about. We except do now. that she's got she's, she's X, got Wolverine regeneration yeah, power. She's X twenty three. That's what I said. Okay, so X twenty three is in the boys. That's good to know. Without yeah. the claws, because the claws were a part of a girlfriend that also gets really grossly taken out by A train today. 
Oh. Or not today, but on the show. Like finally it's the heroin overdose. Yeah, that was that heroin was something. Pop, overdose. Pop claw with the heroin overdose. Uh yeah, rough. Just just a mess. And right, yeah, right when you think that this is like that that maybe something's going on. You knew it was going bad. Like you had to know. Right? Like the second he started asking um for the source and used the one thing that she really wanted that, you know, they'll be able to go public with their relationship. She caves and he immediately thanks her by shooting her full of heroin. And then you learn who's really behind the decision to wipe her out. Yeah. And that of oh, course, well, is, of course, what a surprise that I, Homelander's Homelander destroying is just, the world. I mean, every episode he gets more, deranged and then in this episode there's like okay there's something really off with this guy in a different kind of way and i you know i i came out of there i don't know i mean i don't know where you guys want to go there was so much in this episode i i mean i i made the comment to you guys last night could we pack more shit into one episode i mean there's stuff going on let, let, let's just run it down for the people to kind of you know you got homelander going off script you got starlight going off script You've got the Starlight Huey dynamic um, evolving. And I love where Starlight called him out on his bullshit because she saw right through what the fuck he was doing. And then he realized, wow, you really are different. So their relationship's evolving. You, you got, we find out Butcher's wife has been MIA for eight years. So she's presumed dead. He won't accept it. You've got, uh, yeah, Jesus. I mean, Babies with lasers coming out of their eyes. I mean, that... Compa- used as weapons. Yeah. Used as weapons. Used as weapons. <laughs> they used a baby as a weapon. Babies are being intravenously fused with compound V, which then makes me wonder if... I And I don't know. I, I made the comment. I was doing something in the kitchen last night, and it jumped in my head, and I came out and looked at my wife and my niece. I said, Homelander's Madeline's son, isn't she? And they're like, if it was only that simple. And then that's all they would say to me. <laughs> Have they finished finished the series? They have. Have they finished season one? They have. So they know what happens, and they're like, uh, if it was only that easy, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm going to ask, are you sticking? So you're still sticking to the guns, right? You're still watching an episode a week? I could not handle watching more than one. It takes me three days to digest everything that happens and to (laughs) unwind from what I just witnessed to gear myself up for the next one. So no, I'm not watching more than one a week. They wanted me to watch episode. Don't you want to watch the next one? It's like, no, not really. I need to think about this one for a <laughs> I'm while. Disturbed. Yeah. I need to really process what I just witnessed. Uh, what a fantastic series though. Jesus. And it just keeps getting weirder and better. Yeah, and- let's talk about that Madeline Homelander scene <sighs> that shall we call it the nursing scene? Sad. I guess, man. I mean, he doesn't really like he doesn't actually nurse. He's but boy, howdy, does it look like he's about to? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, the two fingers in the mouth and the, suckling on the fingers. It's just like, right he's there. Creepy. And, and yeah, that, that's why it dawned on me. Like, well, he, he must be he must be your son or something like that. I mean, well, that would explain that or, a lot. I mean, after they do the bit where they see that those basically the soups are being made from birth with by put the compound V in them that you wonder is that how Homelander got created in, in a sense. And, you know, he never got that motherly love. And I don't know if Madeline, yeah, is Madeline his technical mother or is he just missing that? And 
sees her as that mother figure or something. You know? At it's the just... very least, I think mother figure is a, is a nice way to describe it. The, just the amount of jealousy that he carries oh. over a toddler. I got to say, Oh, he hates you, that baby. I got to say, right? you, you two are doing really good right now at not tipping your hand because you both have seen this all the way through and you are playing it up. Like you don't know it. Bravo guys. That is excellently done. You guys, you think you guys watch pro wrestling or something with this uh, promo ability or it's kayfabe <laughs> shit going on. So very well done guys. Kayfabe is not dead in the nerd world. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> very, very real. It's been a while since we've done a true wrestling reference, by the way, in the show where we've called it out. So very nice. Go on us. And then you've got the relationship between Frenchie and the woman. I, and I literally, like I just jumped on IMDb, IMDb, sorry, the female. That is what, she's listed that is how she's listed in imdb right now under the uh on the show so under um imdb is the the cast listing so there's definitely a connection there with frenchie and and the woman she is starting to reciprocate that i think you see that in the way that she responds she saved his ass this episode he was she saved his ass and by the way black noir black noir some serious badass shit huh yeah, he wasn't messing around for somebody who doesn't say anything. Uh, and man, I, I love the uh, this. I mean, he was great, but I, I like the stuff with the deep, you know, <laughs> thing about the dolphin and then Starlight calling him out for shoving his dick at her face in the middle of this religious convention. I'm like, this is the, the greatest oh thing. shit face he makes. Yeah. On <laughs> the couch. Great. Yeah. With 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 <laughs> Cheeto dust all over him or whatever the hell he's eating. <laughs> right. He is in trouble. Oh, God, so good. And I, and I love that we got to see the remains of the dolphin. Yeah. Poor, oh, just God. Poor, fl- poor flipper. Just yard sale on the all, street there. Oh, my God. All that dolphin wanted was a meaningful relationship with the deep, too. Yeah. Like, that's all they were looking for. Touch my blowhole. That's all I want from you. Oh. Right. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> so I guess that leads to the next question. Dave, what next? Because uh. you're the, like, as you have alluded Dan and I have an idea of what's next. So what's next, my friend? Where uh, are we going now? Because Jesus. <laughs> Homelander knows and Frenchie's still alive. So I think that's a problem. Well, I mean, you know, when one of the most iconic lines from this episode is you played my butt like jazz, that's really all you need to know about how fucked yeah, up episode. Yeah, we didn't episode... even talk about how uh, messed up Ezekiel. <laughs> yeah, the stuff with Ezekiel. Uh, man, just... I. I mean, where do we go from here? Uh, you know, we even got, we didn't even mention Maeve's situation. I mean, Maeve yep. uh, has a, uh, apparently, ex. yeah, Maeve's ex. So she's had a, a homosexual relationship with a, with obviously a female, that sort of thing that kind of goes without saying, but, <laughs> but that's, that's, there's something more to that. You know, why did, okay. Why did you leave her for this douchebag Homelander apparently? And, and, you know, and, and. I love what her ex-girlfriend says, you know, you left, you know, you took me out of my life, but you never left mine because she sees her every day. And so Maeve's con, you could tell Maeve's really conflicted about what went down on that plane and just where her, where she is in her life right now. And she's, that's the one I'm really curious about the most because she seems to have the most, like she's straddling that line between being more starlightish or going full Homelander. That sort of thing. And she's really wrestling right. with that. So I think big things are on the horizon for Maeve. Um, you know, Butcher 
I thought it was just like that was his nickname, and you find out in this episode, no, that's actually his last name, Carl Urban's character. I mean, Starlight and Huey is going to be the central focus, I think, and their their relationship, how that evolves, and I, you know how at some point Huey's going to let her know my goal is to bring down the Seven, and I have a feeling she's going to jump on board with that, and that's where the where the last few episodes are going to go in that direction, them trying to take down Homelander. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, how butcher and, and mother's milk get involved in all that sort of thing. And Frenchie's relationship with this, the female who just strikes me as like Katana sort of from suicide squad. She's got that vibe going for, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, I'm curious. I I'm sure it's going to get more deranged. We're going to find out more about Homelander and Madeline's air quoting relationship. We'll see what kind of relationship that is. Um, you know, what happens with all these babies who are now being, it's like very matrix, like they're being grown, you know, <laughs> these superheroes are being grown. So yeah, they, and it sounds like they've been portraying this as they're God's chosen people. They're the ones that have these powers and it has nothing to do with God. It's all manufactured. These superheroes well, are least, all manufactured. At least, at least that's how they're using that particular sort of prayer festival thing. Right. So, which that, and that's the other thing we talk about commentaries and the way I think that this show reflects real people and, and real scenarios. Again, this is definitely something I, that I find would be very plausible if we had superheroes in the world, that there would be like this evangelical wing that would say these are God's children and they've been chosen by God to do this thing and they'd be corrupt as all get out. On the other side, Ezekiel uh, is corrupt as all get out. Homelander is as corrupt as anybody. I, you know, I mean, in that religious I mean, and conference, Homelander, Homelander is his own special breed of messed up. Right. And I mean, I think we could uh, all make commentary about real world uh, similarities that we saw with that conference right. that I'm not going to go there just because I don't want to lose, you know, 20 listeners for, for, you know, going in on something. But yeah, I mean, you, you look at what Homelander is all about. It's about. He, he's all about himself. He's about taking charge and, and, and he's using religion as a backdrop to justify his means to an end. And these people are just chanting his name. Yeah. I, and, I mean, and you just start to get the feeling that he's looking to usurp control of everything and he's going to use this platform to get there. He's not stupid. Homelander may be corrupt, but he's definitely not stupid. He's oh. one of the smartest guys in this he's... entire series. He's definitely pulling the strings, I think, you know, as much as Madeline's in charge, he's the one that's doing what he wants to do to get his final, whatever his final goal, his agenda is, he's doing whatever he's going to do because he knows he's got the power to do whatever he wants and he's going to get it however he wants, basically. Right. And and Madeline, like, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, I was going to say like this, this feels like the turn. This this episode right. felt like everything turned, and it's right in the middle of the whole season, which is which is perfect, right? And it just it feels like everything got flipped upside down to a point where now they know that Frenchie and there's some other people involved with trying to who's who's ever's going after these soups, and now they're coming after them, and they know how to get there basically. And now we're gonna see them getting being on the chase of trying to stay away and hide. I think, and yeah, we're, we're just learning a new, the other side of things now. 
Yeah, I mean, for yeah. people who who have said, I mean, Superman gets criticized a lot by people for being a big Boy Scout, and it's like, well, this this is kind of sort of what he would be like if he was on the other side of that fence. And actually, if you've read Injustice or any of that stuff, and you get to see Superman at his worst, Homelander pales in comparison to that. But still, this is what I envision. In, We're only uh, five episodes in, Dave. Okay. Well, it might get worse then. Su- so Super- Superman's had like 80 years of, of time. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I will uh, I, I will refrain from any further comment to see just how bad it you gets. Really, you really think Homelander's going to get any better at this no, point? <laughs> uh, of course not. I will, I will repeat oh, once again brutal. one of the things I said at the top of this show before we move on to talking uh, some other subjects. The creators of the comic have said that thus far only one thing was considered so depraved that Amazon said, no, don't do it. There's a, and I, I meant to share with you guys the article so that you could read what that moment was. It involves Homelander, but, uh, Why am I obviously. and so it just, we talk about pushing envelopes and it just keeps going. And without spoiling things for you, Dave, the envelope will continue to be pushed and I can't wait to hear you unpack next week, too. But we're going to put a pin in episode five of The Boys because we still got three episodes to go. I do want to talk about, real quick, this week we got some news regarding The Boys in season two. September 4th, fellas. And I don't know about you, Dan, but you and I, we can watch the snippet of the first three minutes of episode one, season two. Dave can't because Dave doesn't want to be spoiled. That's right. I, I, I didn't watch it yet. Well, I'm going to watch need. it. And let me ask I'm you. I'm going to wait until after I finish okay. All right. re- I, the rewatch for sure. Okay. I was going to see if you guys were excited about it or not, but uh, that's cool. Let oh, it... I'm totally. I am oh. and, totally and the best part is it will be the first of the series that we've reviewed that we get to do season two of. Right, because the Mandalorian comes October. later. Right? Yeah, October. We're gonna have to start and pulling I'm, double duty in October, well, though. Well, I, I do. I do think we got to do some math and just see because I don't remember when. Have they set a date for the Mandalorian in October, or is it just October? I think it's 1? late October. I thought, but uh, so it might actually work out depending on what we want to do. It'll because be close. The boys is they're releasing the first three episodes on that first on the fourth. Okay. So if we really wanted to go full bore. We could blow your mind, Dave, and watch all three. You can unpack that, and then we could just go on the rotation because it's going to end in October, early October-ish, because it's only an eight-episode season. Yeah, and that segues very nicely into the Mandalorian season two. I'm just going to be happy that we've got stuff to talk about on a weekly basis. New that's content. new, new content. That's right, current content. Since, as you've said, we're never going back to the movies, but we'll talk about that. We're never going back to the movies. <laughs> I I didn't even put it in the rundown today. I did not want to talk about yet another date being pushed back on a movie release. It just yes. it hurts my heart too much. It's the right thing to do, but you know the world is on fire. What are we going to do? Like the world is on fire, yeah. and us not going to the movie theater to see a movie is kind of the least of our concerns right now. So I'll uh, I'll defer to the studios on that one. But enough yes. about that. Since we're talking about reopenings delayed, let's talk Disney parks. Yeah. Dave, I got some bad news. Alrighty. I think you shared the bad news. Dave, Dave, what what was the bad news? You want you just want to get it out? Well, Disneyland was scheduled to reopen on July seventeenth, and that has been pushed back since California 
is shattering uh, coronavirus records. I don't know if Disney World is scaled back. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm imagining Disney World postponed their plans since the governor finally decided to shut the bars down in Florida. I can't imagine they're going forward with reopening. But uh, yeah, from what we understand is um, Anaheim's going to give some guidance uh, around July 4th, around that weekend, as to when they think things might be able to reopen. Um, but it was going to be July 17th, which would have been the 65th anniversary of Disneyland. That's not going to happen. I think they are going to reopen downtown Disney on July 9th, which is at least something uh, where they can start recouping some of their losses and that sort of thing. Um, but well, now, now is downtown Disney like a shopping yes. sort of area, like gift shops and things like that? Yeah, right. Because you've got so retail, right? You got Disneyland on one side, Disney California Adventure, also known as DCA, DCA on the other, and then a big downtown Disney district. And it's a bunch of shops, a bunch of restaurants. Uh, I, I don't know if I call them bars. There are a couple of night spots, but they, they got some cool stuff there. Like uh, it's like a bowling alley restaurant, so you can bowl and eat at the same time. They've got, I think, uh, no, they. They were going to build a big parking structure, and then they changed their plans on that, which wiped out the ESPN zone and Rainforest Cafe. That's a whole nother story. But, uh, yeah, they've got the World of Disney will be down there, so those shops will reopen. Um, you know, and, and it is, you know, it's close enough to the park that you can almost fantasize that you could go in through the gate, but you can't. But it is stare, so- long, stare longingly yeah. at the park. Stare longingly <sighs> at the park and the, and the gate. Hold out your arm. And the fence on there. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing, but not unexpected given what's going on. This actually reminded me of something else I picked up from the show. It was a bone I needed to pick with you, Dave. Okay. How come DP and PC Tunney are invited to your place to hang out, but, like, I'm not on the guest list? What's that all about? You're on the guest list. I wasn't on the guest list. I heard, Dan... Tony, you you guys, come on down. Have a good time. I think that was for WrestleMania, but still, yeah. I'm just saying. It doesn't feel like I'm welcome. You're welcome. No, I get it. You can come. You're more than welcome to Pat Patrick. You just weren't here last week. I would have told you, yeah, come on down. I mean, what are, what are the odds on WrestleMania actually happening in LA next year? 30%, well, 40%? Yeah, I'm not I'm not there yet. <laughs> I, I think it's still laughable that they, there's people who still think SummerSlam is going to happen in Boston. Uh, <laughs> LOL, LOL, LOL. Not after last week, I'll tell you that. <laughs> right. That's so, gone now. so, Dan, how, how sad are you about not being able to go to Disneyland? I'm, I'm sure that's really eating I you mean, up inside over in Wisconsin. Right in the Midwest there. My plans, you know, for, you know, next year are just ruined. I tell you. Right, right. Actually, you know, here's all my the times real- I, all, all the stops I've made. <laughs> here's Disney my big question. Here's, here's, my, here's my big question <laughs> for you, Dan, as I worry about Wisconsin. Are the Dells still going strong? Can the I get Dells on a water? Still, can yes, I get on a water slide? The Dells are still open. There, I know there are people still going going up there to the Dells and having the, their the, week vacations and things. And the, yeah. the Wisconsin Dells, by the way, for folks who don't know, an experience unto itself. It's both this tourist attraction slash trap of joy, where you can go to a place. Is, is Paul Bunyan still there? Paul Bunyan's restaurant is still there. Absolutely. Oh gosh. Oh, I need to hold off. I need to hold off. Uh, Cause we can talk, <laughs> we can talk about this all day, but best water parks in America for my money. Up in the Wisconsin Dells. If you say so. I, I've never See, been there. That's spoken, I've never been there. That's spoken like a man who don't know. <laughs> I have not, I don't know. I have Patrick, not been Patrick, there. 
you're 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 invited to come over to my house. You can stay here. We'll take the See? hour drive. Whereas I think I'm an hour, maybe an hour and a half from the Dells. So you can come in. We'll we'll go up to the Dells. We'll do all the nice. stuff. We'll do the duck boats. We'll oh, do the water parks. Yeah. We'll, do, we'll, yeah. do, we'll do it all. And Dave, you're not invited. There. Thanks, Dan. See, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, that's DP. So, hard... <laughs> so the other... Uh... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you know I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. Right, right, right. So anyway, the other big news that came out uh, this week in regards to Disney parks, one that Dave and I actually got back and forth on a little bit, a little news item in regards to Splash Mountain. Uh, and Splash Mountain is getting a facelift. Disney announced this week that they're going to change the theming of Splash Mountain to uh, leave the Song of the South theme that they've had for years. And for those who don't know, Song of the South is pretty damn racist. Uh, look it up. There's a, there's a history there. And there's been a petition that's been circulating for about a month or so really picking up steam when a lot of the black lives matter movement um, protests really started going strong again to dump that theme and give it a facelift and change it over to a different theme. The suggestion was in that petition for the princess and the frog, which is what Disney has announced that they're going to do. I think it's the right call. I think the theme makes a lot of sense in the sense that uh, it's a water ride and the the location of the Princess of the Frog takes place in the United States south in Louisiana around the bayou. So there is a connection there. And it would allow, it would be Disney's first ride with that theme. Like the, the Princess and the Frog uh, hasn't had that that had its own ride as a, as a themed ride. It's had some sort of like Mardi Gras parade party sort of thing that I saw, like, and I did a little research, but not really a ride. And so kind of a big deal uh, to put out there. And so I think it's the right call. What do you guys think? DP, what, Dan, do, you what think? do you think? Yeah, Dan, what do you think? I guess, I, you know, I, I guess I've never done the Splash Mountain, obviously, or any of that stuff. So I, you know, in this day and age and with everything going on it's definitely the right call to get rid of their current one that you guys mentioned and if that one makes sense then absolutely i i I wouldn't know any one that you'd put in there to make it you know more appropriate so if this one works then i it's definitely a right call i think to to make that change for sure all right Uh, dave i mean i guess they've got to I, I understand why they're doing it. There, there's nothing about Splash Mountain that's overtly racist. Yes, it's based on the Song of the South. Uh, it's also got the Zippity Doodah song, which won an Academy Award. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, you sure, know, that makes it not racist. That's right. I'm sorry. It does. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if it won an Oscar, it's fine. That's right. Uh, I mean, I, I understand why they're doing it and they got to do it. I'm not, like I told Patrick, I'm not a Princess and the Frog fan. Um, I understand it does make sense to do it in a bayou sort of setting, that sort of thing. I'm not sure if there's other movies that they could have incorporated. I did make, you know, and Patrick and I were discussing, I said, I wish they would turn it into like an Avengers ride. Of course, you know, there is no having a log flume sort of ride on an Avengers theme wouldn't make a lot of sense, but it could be like escape from fucking Thanos or some shit like that. I don't know, but yeah, it turn I, into an Iron Man hand or something, and you're flying cool. an Iron Man. Why not? <laughs> Why not? I mean, you know, yeah, they, that, did, they I, did the same thing at Jurassic World. It's like, wait, I don't remember a water ride in, in Jurassic Park, but <laughs> but that's okay. 
Here's the thing. I I will say the thing about Disney that they've always been really good with is that a lot of their rides and their themes make sense with the ride that they're doing, which is why like, I think it fits well. You're getting eventually a Marvel park a la Galaxy's Edge at, at Disney. So I think to me that that I would rather have that kind of payoff than a converted ride for, for a Marvel theming. Right. And I think that um, the other thing that I think is really great about what they're going to do with with Splash Mountain is one of the original Imagineers is coming out of retirement to do the work on this ride, to actually do the redesign with the theming that's involved. And so I think that Disney not only wants to to do justice to what I would say is a more popular princess movie than it gets credit for and a better princess movie than it gets credit for. And it's an opportunity to kind of pay homage to that ride, knowing that, like like I said, the, the Marvel thing's coming. Some of that's licensing, Dave. You know that, because Universal Studios had a Marvel corner. I uh, have a friend. I know somebody who works with the uh, the costume folks at Disney World, and they actually already have the Marvel characters ready to go. They just can't use them yet. Right. And so I wonder if that's a part of it, too, is that they, that they I can't remember when Universal has to kind of or when Disney can go forward with it. I mean, it's getting there with the existing characters that Universal already had, because obviously Guardians of the Galaxy, they've already done something with they're right. doing something with it. They're setting something up over at Disney World. And, so and you raised a good point. And it may be, you know, because I had made the comment, well, there is no Marvel presence at Disneyland, but. Uh, but like you say, it's going to be all over Disney California Adventure. And the two parks really thematically do separate. There's not much in the way of crossover. You know, Disneyland's got all the Fantasyland characters and all that stuff. They've got all the Star Wars stuff is over there at Disneyland with Galaxy's Edge. Um, you've got the New Orleans Square, which is Pirates, uh, Haunted Mansion, and whatever they're going to turn Splash Mountain into. We're over at DCA. You've got the Avengers Campus. You've got uh, Cars Land, Radiator Springs. Uh, you know, you've got uh, uh, Pixar Pier with Toy Story Mania and the Incredicoaster. So thematically, it makes sense to keep it separate. So I don't I don't have a problem with that. And the honest truth is the big allure of Splash Mountain isn't so much the theme. It's that 50 fucking foot drop from the top of the mountain straight down into, uh, you know, I, I mean, that ride is the only ride I've ever been on that actually injured me. Oh, yeah. I bruised my tailbone because I came up off the seat just slightly right at the bottom and it i mean the force did have you ridden splash mountain patrick did you ride that actually I, that is the one uh destination ride i did not get to ride it's because i didn't have a fast pass and it was cold yeah on a couple of days and i, I mean, did not want to be wet we've ridden cold we've ridden that ride at midnight a few times and it is it is that sense of you know like on Pirates of the Caribbean, well, you went to the one in Florida, so it's not, it doesn't have this. But on Pirates of the Caribbean, at the very end, you go up this long incline, and the whole way you're thinking, Jesus, we're about to get screwed on this drop. And it is this little teeny glide into the uh, waiting area. Splash Mountain's the same thing, and it is the impending sense of doom. And you know it's coming because you've seen people come down while you're waiting in line. And that climb up that thing, and you're just thinking, holy shit, this is going to be way high up. <laughs> That's the allure of it. Uh, so whatever they're going to do thematically, great. It's still not going to change the fact that you're going to get hammered at the end of this ride. Have a nice, have a nice trip on the way down. I got some great pictures of my son and some of the faces that he's made on that rider. 
priceless. Right. I I hope to get onto it the next time we if we ever go to Disney World again or Disneyland if, and, if I'm welcome at your place. Yeah, you're uh, welcome. And the one in, the one in Florida, I actually have ranked higher than the one in Disneyland. I think the one oh, in nice. Florida is better. I don't know if that's going to change. It seems like it's got a few more drops on it than the one huh, in, cool. in California does. All right. Well, enough theme park talk. I, I think that it's going to be fine. I think Splash Mountain will still be Splash Mountain. It's going to be great. But we got to talk some DC before we bring our guest on, before we go to commercial and bring the guest on. Because the DC Cinematic Universe is is picking up some steam. We've had the Zack Snyder Justice League cut for whatever for whatever you feel about that cut myself personally that's that's big news that's exciting this past week we received news that michael keaton is has either been approached or is in negotiations with warner brothers to return as batman as bruce wayne as batman and possibly as part of the flash movie that's coming up which sounds like they're going to do flashpoint is going to be the basis of that movie so i want to get into that a little bit but before we do i'm just going to throw it out there best live action batman according to the nerds dave christian bale christian bale i I, and i say that because he's the batman he portrayed is more is truer to what i what i equate batman to in the comics that's the main reason yeah i that that was kind of my same thought too and i i wanted to put christian bale for that reason i I still left him as my number two because michael keaton is still my favorite batman i I just it's been more of the first batman than batman returns because it started to get campy a little more campy i guess but i thought michael keaton because just when i was introduced to batman on in the big screen it was michael keaton and that was kind of the perfect age for me. <laughs> I, I do enjoy Christian Bale as well because it does fit more with the comics of the darker theme. Uh, but Keaton for me is still the number one. Is this the part where I go Adam West and you both throw stuff at me? As long as it's yes. not George Clooney, you're okay. Thank you for putting George Clooney ahead of Val, or behind Val Kilmer. <laughs> I, honest to goodness, not that either of the Schumacher batmans are good in my opinion val kilmer gets a bad rap for his for his portrayal of batman i actually thought he did just fine oh clooney's the worst I, I mean i thought clooney yeah. did well as bruce wayne but not as right. batman see yeah. my thing is is michael keaton i think is the best brooding batman out of the group like stand, sitting in front of the screen sort of in shadow just mulling over everything particularly in the first one Ugh. Uh, I I don't know if I'm excited about this though. I guess that's that's where I want to take this next. Bringing and, and maybe we maybe we hold on that and let's for the audience for the unwashed. Dave and Dan, what is Flashpoint? What is the Flashpoint storyline? Uh, I don't know. I know Dave is Mister DC. I am Mister. I am Marvel. So I, I defer to the expert. I'm seeing Dan doing a little bit of a head shake too. So I think we're going to defer to Dave. Dave, explain to the unwashed masses what Flashpoint is, was, and could be. So Flashpoint, in the DC universe, there have been a couple of events that are like reboots of the universe. Marvel does the same thing, 
Uh, and like I think DP and I talked about it last week, Marvel's got like 20,000 different tie-ins into one major event. Um, and, and DC's done that a little bit. I, I've always thought DC did it, handled it a little bit better. Um, but that's just a little bit of bias coming out. But uh, Flashpoint is one of uh, like Infinite Crisis, which is also called Crisis on Infinite Earths, was one of the first attempts to reboot the DC universe. Flashpoint, which took place in 2011, was the other one. And it's basically the Flash goes back in time to prevent his mother from being murdered and skews the timeline all up and creates this alternate reality with major, major problems. And he spends a lot of time trying to put things right. And when he does eventually put things right, they're not completely right. So it is a rebooting of the DC universe. And you'll see stuff like, uh, you know, I've got the DC Comics Encyclopedia. A lot of stuff they talk about is pre-Flashpoint versions and post-Flashpoint or pre-Crisis versions and post-Crisis versions. Um, it, it's important because, and here's, here's what I was thinking, and I know I mentioned this. If you're DC and you are now starting to listen to the fans a little bit, which is, you know, the Snyder cut actually existing is kind of acknowledging something that the fans wanted. And let's say you're starting to listen to the fan a little bit. Let's say they're starting to listen to the fans who have said, I don't know why you guys are reinventing the wheel. Just do it like Marvel did it. And they've been stubbornly saying, no, we're going to do it our own way. If they're probably, if they've gotten to the point where like, you know what? Let's just, we've got our own iconic characters. We can take the Marvel's lead run it the same kind of formula and build up to something. Then if you want to reset things without it looking deliberately, like you're waving the white flag and tapping out, then flashpoint is perfect because they can take the stuff they've done before funnel it into the flashpoint cone. And then what comes out on the other end is a reboot of the whole thing. And they can start doing origin stories and building up to something bigger with probably with dark side. Like if, if he's going to be in Zack Snyder's Justice League, what I'm wondering is maybe it's a skirmish that they get into with Darkseid, not the full-blown war. Because if, if you equate it to Marvel, we never saw... You saw Thanos once at the end of Avengers in a post credit scene. Then you never really see him again until he shows up on the ship in Infinity War. And maybe they're going to try and replicate that with Darkseid and kind of... We'll have a skirmish with him in Zack Snyder's Justice League, and then we'll, we'll build to this big showdown with the dark side war at the end of this thing so if they're doing that i've always been against them doing flashpoint now i'm firmly in favor of it because like well yeah that's an easy way to reboot everything and get this this whole thing back on track so you know i started wondering like i asked dp last week hey how do you think steve trevor survived that plane explosion and i'm wondering what if wonder woman 84 is a post flashpoint story that would explain how he's still alive. I, either that or he was locked in the ice with Steve Rogers for, uh, you know, 50 years, like DP said. That's my so choice. That's that. Uh, I like that choice. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of what I'm wondering is, is are they going in that direction? Is this an easy way for them to reboot everything without it being so blatantly obvious that they are just tapping out, throwing in the talent, admitting Marvel did it right? And if this is like, I would love it if that's the case or, or if this is just another flash just a separate flash movie where they're doing certain things and, and just an offshoot of everything. Cause it's something they haven't done yet. And it's, and that this would be a good way to just say, Oh, he, you know, the flash fixes everything and we're starting over or to a sense starting over, or we can redo things like that. And, you know, just trying to read a little bit of a, 
the flashpoint plots while you were going through the rest of it, Dave, there. It's, and another reason why I think Michael Keaton would work perfectly is because they, they say in this alternate universe that Barry Allen wakes up to that when he goes to the Batcave, it's Thomas Wayne who's Batman, not Bruce. Michael Keaton and could be Thomas. having an older Batman. He could be Thomas. Having an older Batman would be Thomas. Keaton could be Thomas Wayne, and that would fit in, yeah. I think, perfectly to have him come kind of come back, reprise the role, but he's Thomas Wayne, an older character as Batman. So that's that'd be pretty awesome to see that. It's very similar to what the rumors are about the Spider-Verse, where they want to bring back Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in this multiversal sort of, um, you know, presentation of Spider-Man. So it's the same thing. And, and I will also go on record as saying the flashpoint paradox is the greatest animated movie of all time. And that includes the Spider-Verse multiverse, uh, or you know, the Spider-Verse, uh, animated film that we got a couple years ago. Flashpoint paradox is, is just unreal. I mean, they're like at least four or five holy shit moments that you get when you watch that. And that is, a pretty good way of getting the flashpoint kind of like this timeline and the general gist of what's going on in an hour and a half setting uh, that is done really, really, really well. And you get to see all the crazy stuff that goes on in this alternate timeline. And I mean, if they're going to capture that, then, you know, I, I've said it before with the, with COVID shutting things down, it gave DC an opportunity to get caught up or at least draw closer to Marvel, maybe not get caught up. Um, and if they're going in this direction, then yeah, I mean, there's, it's encouraging. I don't know if they're actually have the vision to do that. I have my doubts cause they've shit the bed so many times before, but you know, if they are going in that direction, then, then it, it's, it's exciting and it's encouraging and it creates a lot of options that they can really get this right this time. You know, if they, if they just choose to do that. I, I like it. You're like, they could get it right this time. I, I agree with you, actually. I think that this is a terrific thing. I think the other thing that really helps DC, not just having time, it's that Marvel's plan is is well in place. There's no real pivoting to what Marvel's going to do. And Marvel's actually stuck at the mercy of the pandemic and when they can get these movies out and built and made and released. Whereas DC, frankly has a little bit of flexibility because we didn't really know what we had in the way of upcoming movies once you got past Wonder Woman 1984. You know, like there wasn't, like you had some ideas. You knew there was a Flash movie. You weren't sure what it was going to be. And and if Flashpoint is what it is, then great. I, I also think that it is a great way of retconning the DCU without wiping out everything they've previously done. And being able to be like, yeah, this still exists, but it's over here. And you can, I read an article, I think it was on io9, that brought up a really good point that it gives DC sort of the flexibility to just make whatever, or Warner Brothers, to make whatever the hell they want. And it could exist outside of whatever you want to call the prime universe is. Like, it could exist in one of these alternate realities created or via that you've learned about via flashpoint and that may actually allow them a lot of flexibility in what they want to do and maybe even protect them from a film bombing so if this works the way that it could this is a very bold move by dc slash warner brothers 
And if pulled off well, it'll be huge. Yeah. It's exciting to see. I mean, it's it's a daunting prospect to pull off a live action Flashpoint movie in a way that is going to make sense because they haven't done so well at that. And, and I mean, and, right. it, and it's such a broad topic that it will not be easy to do that in a way that makes sense with all that stuff happening. I mean, you know, people seeing, and, but it's great because you get to get Aquaman and Wonder Woman warring with each other, Atlantis versus the Amazons, uh, good opportunities for storytelling. You know, what happens with Thomas Wayne's mother or Thomas Wayne's mm-hmm. wife, Martha, you know, in, in Flashpoint Paradox is mind numbing. Uh, so there's, Sorry, hold on, hold on. Why did you say that name? Oh, well, that's what her name is, but... Oh, I got it. How do you know that name? <laughs> Why, did you say that Why name? did you say that name? God damn it. They're all named... <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Stupid I shit. love you now. Yeah, now, We're suddenly... Now. Suddenly, yeah, our mothers say, share the same name. Now I won't want to kill you anymore. Oh, you are human. Hey, hey, real, hey real quick, Dave. Who made that movie? Uh, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. That's right. I'm sorry. Zack Snyder's trash. Well, yeah, you guys couldn't remember who directed Wonder Woman the other episode. I was just shaking my head like Patty, Patty Jenkins, guys. I'm screaming. I'm screaming at the radio. Patty Jenkins, guys. Patty. Oh, never mind. They can't hear me. Ooh-hoo. Not without time travel. I got. I, I got to tell you though. Speaking of Patty Jenkins, how brilliant of a move was it for her to get out of Thor: The Dark World and go to Wonder Woman? Extremely smart. Brilliant, brilliant. Almost as good as if Warner Brothers could get away from Zack Snyder. And put together somebody better. <laughs> I wish they would get Taika Waititi to do Flashpoint, man. That would be the biggest. He's busy. He's busy. He's busy. Don't, don't take him away from my Thor. He's got. Damn it! We just got. We just fixed Thor. Now you want to break it again? Can't he do both? He could be like James Gunn. Could he? Could be. He's got what we no, do in the he... shadows as well. And the next season's got to be written. Hey, he, wow. he can multitask. He's not us. It's true. It's true. I guess. So. Very much, I will say this, sounds like Dan and I have some homework to do when it comes to Flashpoint and understanding it. Good thing, again, we have got your local library. Comixology, is this found? Is this, is this on Comixology? Oh, yeah. It's, it's on there you, with all the tie-ins. I mean, they're, every add DC it, character. Add it to your list. <laughs> yeah, it's on, my, it's on my wish list in about 27 parts. And that sort of thing. Open up the tablet. There we go. Comixology app. All right. Close. Let me close the Court of Owls Batman that I've been reading. Good man, Dan. Good man, Dan. (laughs) Hey, I just finished reading the first omnibus of Why the Last Man. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, it's kind of series. That's a series getting made too. It's kind of boysish, you know, and and just so much shit going on all at once. Right. So to kind of put a bow on this. Does this mean that Michael Keaton is the only Batman that that comes out of this on the back end? Do we get the older Batman a la Michael Keaton, or is this just one possibility as we head into Justice League? Whatever, well, whatever the next Justice League flick would be. In, like, where does it go? Because I don't know. Yeah, in Flashpoint, Flashpoint in Flashpoint, when he sets things right, um, and then you know the multiple Earths combine into like Earth Zero or something like that, or Earth Prime, I guess. Um, right. It is Bruce Wayne. But so it's it's hard to say. I mean, you could come back with a, a like they want. They've been talking about Michael Keaton as like a mentor sort of role, um, kind of like Samuel L. Jackson, like Nick Fury. 
I don't know. I mean, uh, what happens? Does, with, what, does our pet? Does our pet's Batman fit into this at some point? I think so. I think so. I mean, yeah. I think. Uh, Is he gonna sparkle? No, I hope not. I mean, I'm curious as to what happened with Superman, too. I mean, Superman in, in um, Flashpoint is basically abducted by the government and kept depowered. Um, what happens with that? Because we know now that Henry Cavill is supposed to come back for some extra stuff. Who knows? Um, it's, it creates options. Like, yeah, like, they might. You, I would not be surprised to see a Brandon Routh appearance in this whole thing. Bring back Shaquille O'Neal as Steel. Okay, let's not get carried away now. <laughs> That movie's trash too, by the way. Check it out if you haven't. But Steel. now, it, but it raises, yeah, it raises an idea. Okay, is Black Adam? Could that be a post Flashpoint story as well? That could these things be post Flashpoint, but you don't know it until after you see Flashpoint? Who knows? Maybe, and maybe we get a clue in Wonder Woman 1984. I'm when it comes out in when, 2023. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's coming to digital. It's yeah. coming to digital. Right. right. Just all right. It. Well. Well, Dave, thank you for all the insight on that. I think that that, that segment was the the Dave Ungar educational segment. I'm here you know, for we you guys. About, well, we talked about you know bandwagon not being so bandwagony. I feel like we we had a little return to form there, man. You got to got to mold our young impressionable minds. I'm glad I could help. Yeah, Excellent. sold me, you sold me on Flashpoint. Oh, you, it's it's a tremendous story, man. I mean, well, it's, you, I, it's I'm great. Gonna, I'm gonna look for that. I'm gonna look for that animated. Uh, What'd you call it? Flashpoint Justice League Flashpoint Paradox. I trust me, it is. I've had people who've sit here watching it and watch. I've had people here watching it and just watching their jaw hit the ground like, oh, <laughs> it's fucking, it's intense shit. That's for sure. Oh uh, yeah, we'll have to. I definitely will have to go back and um, see if I can find that. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. It's probably on that damn DC streaming service, which is gonna suck. It might not, be on. It, not, it might be on I'm HBO Max. It's not okay. HBO Max right now is loaded with Batman animated stuff. Yeah, it's it, all right. It really is. HBO Max was like, "Hey, we got all the Batmans. Look at all our Batmans. Here's a Batman. There's a Batman. Except for the good ones, you can't have." And I'll, then, well, I'll I'll try and find it for you guys. See if it's somewhere. Because that would it's... I will I will totally check it out. Oh, Dan's on. I think it. it's available on Prime Video for rental. Ooh, there for you rental. go. Two bucks, three bucks, I think, and you can uh, you can watch it now. Three dollars, two dollars. Yeah. Better off dead. Oh my gosh! There's another great '80s comedy, John Cusack. <laughs> I want my two dollars. There it is. Three bucks. Three you can bucks. buy it for eight. It's buy worth it. Eight. It's worth uh, it. I'll, I'll get on that. All right, fellas, we're gonna take a little break now. We got a guest to get. We're running a little over. We uh we come back, we are going to talk to a couple of folks from Odyssey Games. Again, oh, I, I guess we give the credit to Dave Ungar, who, who this is the Dave Ungar show. That that may be what we call this episode. The putting Dave in Ungar the work episode. for you. Putting in the work. Uh, but before that, we gotta pay the proverbial bills that you know we actually don't have. Listen to uh, the sweet silky pipes of one Christopher Platt. Buy some T-shirts. Actually, we gotta. We actually gotta sell the T-shirts ourselves. So go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash chairshot to get T-shirts for everything else that's on the Chairshot Radio Network, except for bandwagon nerds, because we haven't taken the time to put together shirt design and beg Greg to make it happen. Yeah. So that I think is another thing we got to do is we got to come up with our own look and gimmick and shirts before you know a winner as you has like six shirts and is showing us up in that regard as well. As it is. 
Uh, you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on TheChairShot.com. We'll be back on the other end with our guests from Odyssey Games. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis. With attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Hey folks, listen up, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Pins, stickers, illustrations. Angrylemonade.net. This is my yard now. And welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds. Very pleased to take on our second half of the show with some special guests. Uh, arranged again, I, this is the Dave Ungar edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Dave, you made this you made this episode go today. We uh, we've got some folks here from Odyssey Games out there in California, from your neck of the woods. I'm actually going to hand this over to you and, and let you uh, get our get our introductions done, get started. But I'm um, very excited to talk some gaming been doing that a lot on the show lately we have yeah gaming has become a, a big topic of conversation so a little background before i introduce our guests or actually let them introduce themselves so in 2013 i started collecting board games and i don't remember how this happened but we were in pasadena and like i said i don't remember what i did or how i figured it out but i came upon this place called game empire which was unlike any place i'd ever seen i mean they had a massive amount of retail games that were on the shelves in this ma- huge area where people were sitting at tables, uh, playing all sorts of games. And it was the most incredible place that I've ever seen as far as board gaming goes. And I would estimate that between, I mean, I've got like over 250 board games now, last time I counted and that 30 to 40% of them probably came from game empire. So a few weeks ago, I was very disheartened to learn that game empire was closing its doors although they wanted to find somebody to take over and that wish of the community was granted so today we've got well i'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves uh and let us know who you are and and what's what you got going on so go ahead guys tell people who you are and what's happening hello everybody Uh, my name is go ahead paul go ahead so my name is Paul Zuber. Um, I'm the new owner of Odyssey Games. I have taken over the place of Game Empire in Pasadena. Uh, my goal of um, obtaining this property was to rebuild the community that Game Empire had built over the last 10 to 13 years. And I'm uh, accompanied today by Robert uh, Herman. He is taking over as retail manager, as was before at Game Empire. Yeah, I've worked alongside Chuck for many years. Uh, Came in just playing role-playing games with the, uh, the group on the Wednesday night crowd, and uh, it was super fun to see that develop over time. I actually ran 
uh, when I was uh, before I was on staff, I ran the RPG crowd for a number of years when fifth edition first came out, and I got started on RPGs through Lone Wolf, uh, Choose Your Adventure books, and uh, here I am now. It's super fun. And I'll pop it to Richard. Hi, uh, my name is Richard Chung. I first came to Game Empire about eight years ago, and just like Dave, I met uh, Tuck, the owner, and I got to know all the people in the store, and I felt the community was a great community. And so uh, I became friends with the family, and in February, when uh, Chuck passed away, uh, I was invited to uh, do his uh, uh, funeral service, actually, because I was a minister. And in... in um, in May, when the store was closing because of COVID, I made a promise to the Robbins family to really try to keep the Game Empire community going. I really wanted to keep the community going and, and have the people to have a place to come and play games and to maintain the friendships that they've met. And so I was fortunate enough to know the, the landlord and I was able to connect him with uh, a group of different people who, who wanted to, uh, to take over the store. And um, through a lot of different... Uh, maneuvering and, and the landlord interviewing all these different people. Uh, Paul came forward and, and was selected by the landlord. And um, since then, I've been so excited to get to know him. And I actually just started working part-time for the company as well as the operations manager. And so it's been a, a great time. Yeah, it, I, I think Chuck would really be pleased with, uh, with the way that the store is going. Yeah, and Chuck was a great guy. And your your story, and, and this is more uh, directed towards Paul, um, it's kind of a, a triumph out of tragedy situation. Chuck's untimely passing combined with the pandemic uh, really put Game Empire in a, uh, in a tough spot. And now, Paul, you've stepped in uh, to take over the operations there, and you're the new owner. And, and, and so I guess I want to ask you, um, what is your vision for it's now going to be called odyssey games and what's your vision for that what in other words what are you going to take from what game empire did and expand upon that and or improve it so i've been coming to game empire for about the last eight years now and over that time i'm not the biggest gamer i mean i enjoy that atmosphere i love playing working for 40k i love the environment and i just really like coming here after work or on my off time to kind of hang out with the, with the crowd and um after getting to know chuck um we began getting, uh, having personal conversations, and he told me his reason for opening the store. And the uh, long story short was basically was saying that he was a lawyer and was getting pretty burned out by traveling all across the country. And, you know, he just found that playing games with his friends was just so much more fun. So that's why he created the store. And I was at a point in my career to where I was getting a little bit burned out with what I was doing. And I was, in, I was about to begin having conversations with Chuck about how possibly an exit strategy for him so I can take over in the long run. And unfortunately, as we were talking about before, you know, when he passed away, that all went away. And uh, then when COVID hit and Game Empire then filed for bankruptcy, um, that was also extremely unfortunate. And however, you know, uh, as unfortunate as it was, the opportunity presented itself for me to sort of step in and um, take the reins on this. And I, I was really devastated. I, I couldn't imagine this store not being here. So I wanted to take the initiative and I wanted to get it going. My vision for the store is honestly to, I want to rebuild what it was. Uh, I, I want to give all these gamers a home because I know that many of us have these little quirks about ourselves that make us a little maybe socially awkward in other situations. But in the game store, we find it to be more of a home and we're very comfortable here. And I know that many of us have built these connections with people and other gaming groups and it's just a really friendly environment. 
and I wanted to make sure that that community was not lost. My vision for the store is to make uh, repairs to many of the concerns that people have been making online, mainly to do with the flooring or the ceiling or the air conditioning, but also further than that. Um, I really want to dedicate certain staff members to certain gaming systems and have special, uh, specialists for that. I'm also going to be uh, building a small cafe uh, in the front of the store where the Warhammer section was, and this will provide us with maybe some kind of drinks and some uh, fresh food. And then where the upstairs was is now going to be a seating area. And I've uh, demolished uh, the office that was up there. And the idea is to have about seating for about between 20 and 35 people. Also to kind of just relax, kind of like, a, you know, like maybe at a Starbucks, you would think kind of feel. Also be playing games up there. So my vision overall is to rebuild the community and hopefully grow it with any way that I can. So you mentioned uh, in talking about sort of the timeline and the process here, you mentioned the pandemic. How has that impacted the progress, the system, how, you, how you've been able to get things really going with this, with this relaunch? So unfortunately, the pandemic thing is very difficult for us. We have, I have no idea about, I, I can't set projections as far as my success in the coming months until the pandemic is over. The best I can do is sort of uh, rebuild slowly and hope that people start coming out of their homes and re resume gaming in a safe manner, of course. Now, we have been taking a lot of precautions to, um, you know, to conform to these new regulations. Um, I think we've been uh, we're putting up tables that are separated by at least six feet, and you know we have hand sanitizing stations and all that. Um, as far as our re remodeling, yeah, it's been um, we've been actually making a lot of progress. We the first weekend we managed to take out all the carpet from the retail section, and we removed all the adhesive, and then we put a fresh coat of epoxy, couple of coats of epoxy on that. Then in the last week. We removed all the carpeting from the gaming section, which is about 4,000 square feet, and I replaced it with a very nice vinyl. This vinyl is going to be a little softer than the uh, epoxy, but it's also stain and scratch resistant, and it's also water resistant as well. And so this is, um, these are some improvements that we've been making. I know it doesn't sound like much, but trust me, it took forever. <laughs> it was, it's been exhausting. One of the amazing things about We're also adding... Um, in the back area where they had all the, they had a huge mess, so like the 40K area and they, all that stuff by the bathrooms, we are going to be uh, putting in two streaming rooms. And so um, with all that, people who are more worried about the COVID virus that still want to play games, they can reserve one of those streaming rooms to play with their friends. Uh, we're going to have still plenty of gaming uh, tables in the gaming area that are all separated to also deal with COVID. And I was going to add that one of the blessings of the Game Empire community was when they heard that we were starting Odyssey Games, we had so many people come out and volunteer and and, uh, and help us clean and, and set everything up and people on Facebook volunteering different uh, duties as well. So it really is an amazing community. We want to really give our thanks to the people out there for that. Yeah, they made a big... Oh, yeah. The they, volunteers being getting on the weekends are just invaluable to us. Yeah, they made a I big mean, difference, didn't they, Paul? Because, I mean, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but um, the community coming out and doing the volunteer work has enabled you guys probably to open a lot quicker than you otherwise would have been able to. Is that correct? Oh, 100%. I mean, our renovation schedule is about a month, and we were able to bump that up from, I mean, I got, the, I got in this property about two Fridays ago, and we're going to be opening up within, I would say, the next 10 days. We haven't, we haven't had a definitive date yet because we're still waiting on a couple things. 
But overall, our goal is to open by next weekend. That's the goal. I haven't, um, I haven't announced it yet. That's the goal, and that would not have been uh, possible without – we're getting about – I have about five to eight staff members here daily, but we have about 20 people in the store throughout the day. And so that means we're getting about 12 uh, volunteers daily that are just – that are absolutely amazing, and I really wanted to thank them. So 4th of July weekend. That's the plan. Wow. That's a big weekend. <laughs> so you guys mentioned, uh, you know, that for different types of games that you're going to be playing and, and the possibility of having like those game specialists and things that you might want to start up. Like, what are your guys' thoughts on what types of games you're going to be playing? You're going to have available for everybody to get going. And I like, think you're going to do like theme nights or are you going to have kind of an open one where people can just play some random games or are they going to be more specific to any types of genres or anything like that? Uh, so as far as the schedule goes, like we're still going to be keeping Friday, Monday night magic. There's still going to be 40 K on Wednesday nights and Saturday mornings. Uh, every second Saturday is a big 40 K meetup. Uh, the first and third are big RPG meetups. And then you've got, you know, newbie nights on Tuesday nights, X-Wing at, on, on Star Wars night. And yeah, there's, there's going to be plenty of theme nights that, that we used to have to keep the, the community engaged. Uh, I mean, I could, I could pull up the schedule, but it's that's posted on our Facebook as well. And so, essentially like, it's kind of like uh, zone control. If that makes sense. Like anybody who has questions for those specific games, they can go to that specific staff person and have the, they're like the point of contact to get tagged in with that community. One of the visions that Chuck had for Game Empire was that it would be a place not just for regular gamers, but uh, welcoming for newcomers and family members. And, and we want to keep that um, wide range of outreach to all the people in the community. And so we have events set up for, for newbies, for people who just want to learn about games and get involved. So we have a lot of demo lessons and, and times for them to just to come and, and test games out all the way to the far end where we have had, had these. We've had people who come who are war gamers for 40, 50 years who love to play. And that's another part we like to engage in. So we really want to be a, a, a game store for all the different types of people out there. So for, for myself, who's, you know, let's say I'm, I'm a pretty newbie to different games and I want to get like, I'm, I'm interested in D and D and things like that, but haven't really played anything to that extent. You know, what do you, what kind of things do you recommend for someone like that? Or who's a little, little nervous to go into the store because they they don't know much about how to do this gaming thing. What would you, what kind of recommendations would you give to someone like that? Yeah, that's a so, good question. Far, so one of the things that um, I've been focusing my staff on is creating that um, a schedule online for different types of gamers. I myself, um, I play Warhammer 40K not very well. I don't know the rules very well, but I was always very intimidated going into that huge game room where there's 20 Warhammer 40K nearly like professional type players, and I, I'm, I'm asking them how far is my guy move. So I was very intimidated. Um, I wanted to set up nights uh, that we're going to be able to accommodate the different skill levels. So I know there's a SoCal 40K league that will be playing some of their games at the store, and I want to be able to make sure that they get the competitiveness that they want, while at the same time, I would like to start up another group, which is more of a more casual and beginning league, which um, are going to be more receptive towards the players who want to get want to learn how to play 40K and aren't really that don't have the time to commit to really learning the game at that 
that level of other groups. And if you're looking to get into role-playing games, just uh, jump by on a Wednesday or Friday night. We have a really great D&D Adventures League group that comes in on Wednesdays and Friday nights, and then also on the first and third Saturday of the month. That is your, that's your main point of contact for that group, too. They're very good. They have, they've actually been running games on Discord uh, while, while COVID hit, so they're still, they're still meeting and active. So you can actually get tagged in with that group now if you like. And Dan, if you have um, family members that want to come, Newbie Night is on Tuesday nights. That's when we uh, have game demos every Tuesday night for all different types of games, including role-playing games and board games. Uh, we teach Catan. We teach Dixit. We teach all the, the familiar games that people like to get involved with as intro games. So, Dan, another reason for you to come to California. Patrick, you're invited, too, just so there's no mistaking anything this time. I want to make sure everybody's invited out here. Uh, (laughs) This is kind of a selfish question for me because, uh, and directed more towards Paul, what are your plans on the retail side of things? You guys have always had a great selection of retail. Uh, Are you going to do anything different as far as that's concerned? Uh, We want to have more selection for, I mean, I think our board games are pretty solid. And I'm open to hearing about any other interests that uh, community members have. Robert is really our, um, our main board game guy, and she knows more about that. As far as other games like Warhammer, I, I know I always talk about Warhammer. Forgive me, like I said, it's my primary game. I know, my fault. But I would like to see more Xeno stuff, to be honest. Um, I get bombarded with space and stuff all the time, and I think anyone that knows me knows uh, how I feel about space friends. And so, um, yeah, but overall, we want to expand the inv- our selection of inventory because... You know, the whole idea is the game store, like you said, when you walk in, it, it's got more games than any other place around. And it's just, it's just on fire. It's, it's amazing. And I want to make sure that I keep that. So um, as far as our retail section, uh, I am going to expand it uh, in, in certain facets. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So when we, were, when we kicked off this conversation, you talked a little bit about the, the strong community that you wanted to kind of keep there and bring about. I'd like you to just talk a little bit about that community. What makes it so special? What makes it a group that people should really reach out to, to become a part of? That's a great question, Patrick. One thing about our store is that we believe that everyone is welcome in this store, regardless of, of background, experience, uh, whatever there, everyone is welcome to come and, and play in our store. And so, we really want a community where people care for each other. One of the nice things about Chuck was uh, he would give uh, a lot of advice and get to know people really well. And we have the same philosophy. We really want to get to know people. We, we call it the Odyssey family in which the people that come to our store, we're not um, just there for them to buy games, but we want them to be a part of our community where they meet friends, where they can play games, get to know each other. Uh, in the future, when we have the cafe, you can sit down and, and, and drink some nice drinks and even do some homework and, and play some games along the way. We really build up this a community where people care for each other. They feel that they're welcome. They feel like they belong. And so that's something you can't really find um, in a lot of places nowadays with people maybe not being friendly towards one another. But here at Odyssey, we really want to develop a community where people feel they belong and, and really come and be a part of. Yeah, something that's impressed me with the overall community that we have here is that, I mean, I, I'll walk in on a Sunday at noon and I'll see a group of, um, you know, a group of 40K players who have, really have no idea what they're doing, but they're just having a great time. Or I'll walk by, you know, on a Saturday at 6 p.m. and I see some guys playing D&D and 
I'll walk by and I'll try to, you know, I'm, I'm watching from a distance and they'll ask if I want to learn more about the game. And I just love how welcoming it is here. Yeah, there is the, there is the competitive nature that, that is housed here. And that's wonderful. I want to make sure they have a space. But at the end of the day, I really want to encourage more new players uh, to find these groups that are already established in our community. We have them, and I would love to um, encourage other groups to, um, to come up as well. And so uh, game, uh, sorry, Odyssey Games is going, I want Odyssey Games to be the store that people know that they can come and are welcome. And we have several different areas in the building now that we're going to be opening up that are new, like the streaming rooms as well as the second floor option that we have for people who want to be a little more um, away from the major crowds and still want to be a part of the, uh, of the store, which I think is there's a big need for that. Yeah, it's it's always been a real, whenever I've been there, it's always been a place that just so much is going on. Uh, but it was all, it always felt inviting to me, and I never felt like, uh, you know, like anybody was out there trying to, you know, make anybody feel uncomfortable for being like a newbie or something like that. And I mean, like, you know, I was going to say when you mentioned Chuck, uh, an attorney who burned out, I was like laughing to myself saying, yeah, I can kind of relate to that whole uh, conversation. <laughs> we have a lot of conversations. Yeah, I mean, I, that, yeah, uh, I got it. So let me ask you guys this. What are your, some of your favorite games that, that you played? I, and I know obviously Paul 40 K is yours. We, I think we understand that part. That's, that's pretty evident, oh, <laughs> but, uh, some of it like, uh, like, yeah, like Richard or Robert, you know, what are your, some of your favorite games? Well, Dave, uh, you and I, go ahead, go ahead, Robert, you go first. Okay, for myself, I play a lot of role-playing games um, and uh, board games. Board games, they just completely vary depending on what the group feels like that day. And it could be, you know, it could be a party game if we have a lot of people. It could be just a two-player game if we're just meeting at a cafe. I'm into it. It's super fun. The, the board game community is so varied, and every time that you meet, it's, it's a blast. Uh, for role-playing games, I love them because you get in-depth with the storyline and you get to make choices that aren't linear or predetermined by, say, a video game or something along those lines. You get to influence the game itself, which is great, and how, and how things play out. Yeah, and, and Dave, you and I, I think we talked earlier, we were about the same age, so you may remember some of those old Avalon Hill games and yeah. the Starfleet battles that we grew up with. So I still enjoy those, but uh, the new games I play, I, I really dictated a lot by my family members my my boys loved like zombie side and code names and risk and all the the ladies in, in my family my relatives they still like the the family games like dixit and Catan, um all those you know cooperative games so there's a lot of different things that i enjoy playing what's on the horizon that you guys are looking forward to i mean stuff that you've heard about or, or anything like that robert you want to go first um, okay, so as far as 9th edition 40K, that's going to be huge um, for, for the crowd going forward because it basically gets everybody a foot in the door uh, who wants to just start out. And like during COVID, it'll, it'll be strong with uh, people coming in and picking up and starting to learn the rules. And then we're going to be supporting the group uh, more and more as, as time fuel as, as more people feel comfortable to come in and we're going to be holding some pretty big events for it as well. So 40K is going to be big this year. I know D&D, there's rumor on another edition coming out. And so we'll see how that pans out. Uh, we're going to be supporting obviously all the old groups, but also some new ones. Uh, there's a, 
there's some new RPG groups uh, that are coming in. We're going to be getting Transformers CCG back in the store, Dragon Ball Super back in the store. Um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of, of uh, resurgence of uh, groups that haven't had uh, support in the past either. So. Yeah, and there's a new set of uh, miniatures that are coming out that we'll be painting with. So those are going to be exciting. All the D&D and Pathfinder figures that's coming out, a lot of dragons. Uh, so that's going to be a good thing to, to be painting. Yeah, we have a painting night on Thursday nights as well. And we built a painting station specifically so someone can come in and paint and give awesome demonstrations. And then there are tables nearby that people can ask questions and paint alongside the uh, the host that night. And it'll be, it'll be a very good way for people to jump in and start painting their models. God knows I could use all the help I can get in that area. <laughs> so you also mentioned um, a little bit ago about um, when the, everything was going on that you tried to use, you use Discord a little bit and some online to kind of keep the, the community going and keep every, everybody continuing to play these games without being able to get together physically do you still see that possibly in the future in your in your business to try and continue to use discord or some type of online means to kind of you know expand that you know local community to more you know countrywide or worldwide type of options yeah so discord wise we have one already set up and people are using it to stay engaged while they're at home uh, we are also going to be streaming our tournaments, and uh, there are there are groups in our community who are already making content, and will be making content with us um, going forward uh, because we're going to have those streaming rooms. We're actually going to be recording YouTube videos and getting getting demos, getting uh, tournament or uh, tournament up on our site, and uh, it will. Discord will be just another way for them to, I mean, we're going to have a Twitch channel, YouTube. There's going to be a lot going on going forward to keep people connected. I think we need a Twitch channel and a, and a bunch of channels too, Dave. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, we don't have enough of a social media presence, do we? Yeah, I mean, we're working on it. We're getting there. <laughs> well, Look, guys, we've kept you on a while. I, I really appreciate you coming on and telling us all about what's happening at Odyssey Games. Uh, before we let you guys go, let people know where the address is, the physical address of the store, and any social media contact information, you know, Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, any of that sort of stuff. Okay, essentially you can look us up on odysseygamesco.com. That's our website. Uh, you can tag us through Facebook. Uh, just follow us on Facebook because a lot of the events going forward will be announced through that. Um, you can hit us up on Instagram. It's OG underscore Odyssey Games. Our address is 1795 East Colorado Boulevard, right in the center of Pasadena right there. So we'd love for you have you guys can join us. Yeah, address is 1795 East Colorado Boulevard. Our phone number is 626-817-9522. See, I, I always thought with Big Bang Theory being like stationed in Pasadena that the guys were going to your store whenever they got board games <laughs> or anything like that. It, it made it made sense to me. So, hey, look, guys, I really appreciate you coming on this uh, on the show. I mean, Game Empire has been such a huge part of my life. I think I mentioned to Richard that my wife actually got the first gift certificate ever 
from Game oh, Empire. So and she's she still got it. I said, "Where is it?" She goes, "I got to dig it out of uh, some stuff I took <laughs> from uh, from one of her jobs." But yeah, she got for me the first gift certificate ever issued by Game Empire. So it's a big part for me. I'm thrilled that it's going to be continuing on and that it's going to get even better. Um, I, on behalf of the guys, I really appreciate you guys coming on and sharing your vision of what's going on with this tremendous game store. And, uh, yeah, whenever you guys get that opening day, I mean, let me know. I will definitely try and get on down there for that. Um, Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Anytime guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. All right. There you have it. Big thanks to our friends over at Odyssey games, Paul, Robert, and Richard. Good job, Dave. Way to, way to bring uh, another uh, another strong interview into the show. I'm really appreciative, and I'm glad that we've been able to do this uh, with with the show the last couple months now. I think the last couple months we've been able to have some some good conversations with some folks that are actually doing what we what we talk about and love so much. So my only wish is Justin could have been on here with us because I'm sure he could have interacted with them very well. You know, I could have asked. You, you know, we didn't even bring that up. I could have brought Justin in. He would have. He would have had a great time having a conversation. But uh, they're doing a lot of what he's doing on your side. You know, organizing. Ga- I mean, on, oh, a, yeah. on a bigger scale. Well, I don't know about bigger scale, but maybe a broader no, it's scale. A different scale. Yeah, bro- like, like Justin. Justin would be the expert that they would bring in to yes. run a game. Right. Like that's the sort of thing that Justin would do. Justin is very much. I would describe him as as a big everyman when it comes to. The, the gaming industry like he loves board games he picks them up very quickly he's a he's good at many master of very few i would say his favorite game that i watch him play over and over and over game is a as a game called azul mm-hmm. which yeah. uh, i i watch and that's when we talk about me messing with his games that's the one where i'm like moving his rocks around and shit and his tiles and all that's that and he gets so all pissed off wrong at. patrick it's at a game night at a bar, man. Like, come on. Like, what am I really hurting there? His but, chances of no, winning, I, but other than that, you know, no big deal. He's, he's he's so busy with that thing. He's barely attentive. Like, he's like barely attentive to the game as it is. So, but no, I think that was a. I'd love that we're able to to cast a little bit of a light on gaming a little bit more, and not just video gaming. Like, I think that. I grew up on role-playing games. I grew up playing first edition Dungeons and Dragons because that was the version that my friend had at the time and then played through various iterations up to, except for fourth, we don't talk about fourth ed, up to fifth edition where I have all the books and keep starting, not starting a campaign. Like that was my, that was my big gaming thing. That was what I wanted to do. I loved it. It's such a great way to capture an imagination. It is such a community building effort when it comes to this. Cause it really is. A, it's really a strong community and culture. And I liked that they talked about how welcoming I've found gaming to be in recent years. Like I do think that it can be a little intimidating to walk into. And I think it's even intimidating to walk into like a gaming night at a store. Yeah. Like, you know, when it's an established community, but I've found that, that they're some of the most welcoming people Yeah. when it comes to bringing folks in, they're so excited. We're so excited. I shouldn't say they we're so excited to share our, our joy, our love with, with fans. 
or with with new people with new gamers like did, it's so much it's so great to us did you happen to catch the little thing that one of the guys threw out there that caught my attention that a new edition of dungeons and dragons might be on the horizon just as soon yeah. as we're in yeah, sixth edition it's like oh man i'm just now getting used to fifth I'll be interested to see what it really looks like. I, I bought the books for fifth edition and I'm not jumping away from that. I'm still beholden to 3.5. If I were totally honest, like to me, that was, that was the epitome of what I needed. And then Pathfinder was basically 3.75, almost seven, but are almost four um, before fourth edition came along and was basically a glorified magic game. I hate fourth edition. Don't like how it's played. Don't like the system. Feel it's clunky and awful. But it has its fans. It has yeah. its people that love to play it. And that's the thing I love about these different games is people have their editions and they're like, this mm-hmm. is mine. Right. And I'm sharing it with like this is the only version worth playing and I refuse to play any others. There are still people clinging to Thaco. <laughs> Dan, what those I, you talk, Dan, Dan's face is like, what is Thaco? So, the fundamental way to play Dungeons and Dragons once upon a time was you had a character that had a number associated to them that was called Thaco, and that stood for two hit armor class zero. And the lower your Thaco was, the better chance you had to hit somebody at armor class zero. Now, the lower your armor class in the game, the harder it was to hit. And this system is very convoluted and very complicated. And you had bo- bonuses, but you had to, basically you had a target number you needed to roll above it. And if you rolled above it, then you hit whatever it is you were trying to hit. But you'd have to do all this like mental math to figure it all out. And it was just so... It was complicated. It was kind of fun. Because you just sort of accepted it for what it was. But God damn it, when 3rd edition came along and they were like, you know what, just roll your 20 and roll as high as you can. And don't worry about the number. And the number that you have to hit, you just have to roll above whatever number we tell you to roll above. So if Dan's armor class is 17, you better be able to roll above a 17 on a D20 to hit Dan. That's a really good armor class, by the way. Yeah, good luck getting that. You know? <laughs> At least well, a level. I could start off so well. Dan, uh... Well, you know, I know you've mentioned a few times wanting to start D and D. All this conversation, and it just you know you're like, uh, yeah, right. So, see, you're it's, starting me off. You're starting me off confused. That's not good. Well, but yeah. see, it's one of those. That's it's one of those games you just got to start playing and get into it before it really starts to kind of make. Because I mean, yeah, you read the rules in the player's handbook, Patrick, and you can be there for a good week trying to figure out oh I've, this shit I've restarted i've restarted i've read and reread the fifth edition player's handbook four times yeah. i think from yeah. from cover to cover outside of magic spells because spells it's about the rules of, of and really what happens is it's not so much character generation which is my favorite part of dungeons and dragons like i'll own character generation i can do that over and over all day and when i was younger that's all i do is i would roll up characters that i would never play would never use and i would start them at different levels and give them different base weapons and armor based on their level and stuff like that and yeah i i could play i could play dungeons and dragons all day every day when third edition came along and they switched to what they called the d20 system dan just to to reassure you it got way easier it, it became much more about everything was the mechanics of the game were all determined the same way 
Like that was the thing about second edition and first edition that would drive you nuts is you would have one thing that you'd have to do a specific way for combat. But then if a dragon breathes at you and you're trying to dodge the dragon, you had to roll something different to try and figure it out. It was just all over the place. Third edition, they were like, nope, this one die. You roll this and we're going to tell you to roll above a number and high is good. If you get low, just assume it's bad. Just Simplifying don't, rules. Yeah, just don't. Nice. As long as you don't rule a one, Dan, you're going to be okay. And yet, and yet, even with simplifying the rules, we still have a 300 page player's handbook, a 300 page Dungeons Master's Guide, and then the Monster's Manual, which is a never ending, never ending book like there's because you get the you get the first monsters manual then there's monster manual two then there's all the supplements and additions because they're always creating new monsters new obstacles for characters to play because people get bored with fighting rats if you just made them fight rats all the time where's the fun something else to do when you guys get out here next year start a campaign right we'll get right on it i i've come closer in the pandemic than i have in in many many years so yeah good things to do there are worse things to do. And, you know, looking at the time, I think we're at just about that time. It's looking like it's about time to wrap it up. But before we go, I want to bring something back. Forgot about it last the last week I was on the show. But I uh, have one this week, and that is uh, Patrick O'Dowd has a question. And this week I shared uh, with the two of you an article on io9. Somebody ranked their 44 best rides based on movies. And I disagreed with her number one. Dave was all about the number one. I can't even remember what the number one was. Uh, was it the one that was based on cars? No, number one was Avatar. Oh, Avatar, which is a very fine ride. The Avatar ride experience. I rode both it and um, and Rise of the Resistance. And I just can't put Rise of the Resistance behind anything right now. Still just one of the best experiences I've had on a ride ever. Shit, I'm ranking if, it number one. I've never even been on it. And, and my thing is, is... Avatar is great. It really, to me, it even, and I don't get motion sick. It did leave me a little queasy after it was all done just because of the way that the, the visuals work and move. And it left Mrs. O'Dowd sitting for about an hour before she could like move again. She was like, that was cool. I will never ride that ride again. <laughs> so, but my question to you is not so much a movie based theme ride, but Greatest, give me your top two amusement park, theme park rides that you've ever experienced or that you would say are worth your money. Does the uh, Tilt-A-Whirl count? Tilt-A-Whirl totally counts. Wow, Dan. You do you. Because I will tell you right now, I have never been on a roller coaster. Really? Because you mentioned the motion sickness, and I do get the motion sickness, mm-hmm. and of the fact that really my family never went to roller right. coaster places. We did the Six Flags that we it was in Chicago. We never went to that. Great that America. was kind of the closest thing. That's it. America. Yeah, Gurney, <laughs> Illinois. That's right. <laughs> uh, so we, I made, uh, made a few pilgrimages up there. Yeah, I went there. We went there once for a high school trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I basically just walked around and, and hung yeah. out with my friends and never did rides. Cause I was at that point too afraid and worried about the motion sickness. And because my, yeah. now, did, you do like did, the bus, 
did you do like the bus trip to there? Like with the school thing was like, oh, yeah. did that, did like the security guy get on the bus and explain all the rules to you and everything? <laughs> that was my I, favorite. I yeah, I don't remember doing I, that. I will never uh. forget when my high school, well, I, I did a high school trip up there and the security guy climbed on the bus and started explaining to us that we had to wear our hats either straight forward or straight back because of gang activity, like like at the Gurney, Illinois, Six Flags, Great America. Uh, that 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 will stick with me forever. I just I don't know why. Um, I feel like I was scared of roller coasters for the longest. I had a heights thing, not so much a motion sickness thing. Like yeah, spinny rides are my jam, man. Like when I the teacups. Like you get me on a set of teacups where I can spin around and spin my cart around. Hell yeah. The scrambler, the tilt-a-whirl, you name it. I loved them all. That one that where they drop the floor out from you and you stick to the wall because of the centripetal force. Oh, you you definitely lose your lunch afterwards. You just can't not. Oh, so great. Yeah. Nope. I did. So with the evolution of virtual reality, I my VR set, there's a game for roller coasters. And so I'm like, I'm going to give it a shot because it's the best I can do right now. And you don't get the wind factor, I guess. I turned a fan on. I thought maybe that would help and (laughs) sat down and went onto a roller coaster. And I got about 30 seconds into it. And I had to take the headset off because I was ridiculously dizzy and it did not work out well. I luckily I did not lose my lunch, but I did not want to do it again, I'll tell you that. Note to self, don't take Dan to Magic Mountain when he comes out here. Okay, got <laughs> it. Only ride the Ferris wheel. Yeah. Ferris, you can, Ferris wheel and the, Mar- and the carousel, the little you, carousel. You might be able to handle <laughs> Peter Pan or something like that, DP. Maybe. Maybe. Which, you want to talk about a, a cool ride? That is a pretty cool ride. Yes, it is. I was not sold. So the thing I found really interesting about Disney, and I promise, Dave, you'll get to answer the question, too. It's cool. The coolest thing I found about Disney, my the little O'Dowd, when we went, he talked about there being, like, action rides and then what he called show rides, where you would sit in a little car and it would take you around to little scenes. And it wasn't very – it wasn't intense at all. It was definitely – for all speeds. And there's a ton of those rides at Disney world because kids, right? Like the kids, small children can't all ride in roller coasters. I just, you blew my mind how many different rides that they did have that were like thrill rides that smaller children could ride. Like the, the, the you didn't have to be particularly tall to ride the slinky dog ride, mm-hmm. uh, that there was only one roller coaster the whole trip that the little O'Dowd was too short to ride in. And that was the Aerosmith themed ride the rock and roller coaster whatever the hell they call it which when i wrote it i was like okay i get it (laughs) it was a pretty it's a pretty good roller coaster Uh, it's just an aerosmith themed roller coaster so it's like like in 1992 when it came out or whenever it came out i'm sure it was it was the bomb yeah but now it's like aerosmith is still the theming of that ride like you get an aerosmith gift shop and you're like this is okay Okay. Awesome. Steven, too nice. much Steven Tyler. But Should have called uh, it the ragdoll. I'll, I'll, Dave, I'll let you finish with answering the question. But my, my favorite roller coaster to ride is actually at uh, Six Flags, um, Six Flags New England. And I know that they have it. I know they have variations of this at other theme parks and at other Six Flags. But the one at Six Flags New England is called the Pandemonium. 
Pandemonium is a roller coaster. It has four seats on a crop, basically like a, a little car. And the little car actually is on an independent axle that causes it to spin like this. And nobody can see it, but like you're you're not flipping upside down, but it's like a tilt-a-whirl car, except it's on a roller coaster with like bank turns and stuff. And so it like it like spins you in all these different directions while you're doing bank turns and big hills and spin. It is awesome. And I love it. And the little O'Dowd loves it too. And so we, we ride it at least three times every time we go to Six Flags New England. Well, uh, my commentary, and I tried to get my son to come on for this discussion because he is the theme park expert. I, I don't even compare to him, but uh, you know, like, there's a big difference between like Disneyland and Six Flags. I mean, si- Disneyland cannot match Six Flags for pure thrill rides or close to that. But Disneyland has atmosphere like no other theme park anywhere, with the exception of Disney World or the other Disney parks. Um, like my favorite roller coaster, my favorite rides, you know, I mean, yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion have a real big place in my heart because they're just timeless classics. Uh, number two on that list, Radiator Springs Racers at Disney uh, DCA California Adventure. Man, that ride is awesome because you get invested in it. You're racing against somebody else, and it was like five years before we actually won a race. And the time that we actually won a race, the whole our whole car just exploded, celebrating. People looking at us like, "What the fuck is wrong with these guys?" You know, but. Hey. We'd come, you know, we'd always lost up until then. So the, we finally broke through after five years of trying and won the race. It was a big deal. Now, we've never lost since then. It's been five years of winning since then. And, and uh, hashtag winning. Yeah, hashtag winning. And I, and I think somebody's a picked up on a winner is us. Exactly. People have picked up it at the top of the ride. The ride sends you in either to the left or the right. And if you go like down the left side, like there's like either either you go to the tire shop or you go to the paint shop. And one or the other, we figured out if you go there, you're going to probably win that sort of thing. So whenever we end up in the paint shop, we start, yes, celebrating ahead of time. And people are like, what the hell? Um, The other ride that I really like is also Six Flags Ride, Patrick, at Magic Mountain. And it's called a ride called Tatsu. And this thing is like, this is like flying. You are in a, you're in a, 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 I don't know, carriage or whatever. And the thing will go from a vertical position and it'll tilt you so that you're face down looking at the ground. It's the Superman roller coaster in New Jersey. Yeah. There's there's one that's like that, too, where you're lying out like Superman right. on and, the thing. And and New Six Flags New England has a Superman coaster, but it's a traditional sit-in-the-car coaster. And it's it doesn't go upside down, but damn, is it intense. Like, it, you freaking fly. Like, it's nuts. The best part of this ride is you are flying, and this one does go upside down, and it does what my son has explained to me is called a pretzel loop where basically you start in one position and you do the loop and it reverses your orientation. So you start off facing down and as you come across, it pretzels you over so that on the backside of the loop, you're on your back and that G force just pushes down. It's I mean, Dan would puke his brains out for sure, but Oh my See, Lord, I, that I is think, awesome. I think I know. I think we know what rides we take Dan on when we all go to Disneyland. Yeah, now that we're that figuring one. this out. We're gonna go, we're gonna go to Galaxy's <laughs> Edge. Well, no, we're gonna go to Galaxy's Edge. We're gonna do Smuggler's Run. Yeah, that's basically a giant video game where you pilot the Millennium Falcon. Yep. And how awesome is that? That's awesome, right? Ride. 
and it requires teamwork to do, yep. especially if you get positioned as pilots, because one person goes up and down and the other person goes left to right. And so you have to be able to talk to each other to, to dodge things, because if you hit too many things, you actually get a longer ride if you hit too many things. But uh, um, but six up to six people could ride this ride and they have two pilots, two engineers and two gunners. And obviously the gunners get to shoot. The engineers have the lame job. Like they just have to push a button at the right point. Uh, piloting is where it's at. Like, and it's, yeah. it's awesome. It's a flight simulator, it could but be. it's not like, but it's, it's not like avatar no. with like the 3d effects that makes you feel all queasy and awful. Uh, and then the other one, since you're, since you're a video game guy, we got to get you on those buzz Lightyear games where you shoot aliens. Uh, I, the one that I remember writing, we shot at Zerg the whole time. Like you had to shoot Zergs all over the place. That and, Toy and you get a score. You'd like Toy Story Mania at DCA too, big time. You you'd like that DP. That's uh, that's your kind of uh, your kind of uh, ride right there. Um, I desperately want to do Rise of the Resistance. I've heard nothing but great things about it. I'm not kidding when I say it's number Greatest one in the history of ever. I'm number one. It's number one, and I've never even ridden it. But I already know that it's going to be number one. Can I talk about it? Can I tell you about it? You, did, you already did on an episode, remember? I know, right? It was right after I came back from that <laughs> vacation. Right. It was a great time. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for Bandwagon Nerds today. Fellas, before we go, why don't we tell everybody where they can find us on the social media? DP, why don't you go first this week? Well, you can find me all over the worldwide social media interwebs, at it's me, DPP. You can check me out on the DWI podcast, which drops on Saturdays. And that's you can follow at podcast DWI on Twitter or on Facebook at facebook.com slash DWI podcast, as well as follow a winner is you, which is the brand new gaming video gaming specific podcast that I host with a few other guys. Well, that one will drop weekly now since we had such great feedback and all the guys are very excited. So they want to start doing it weekly. So we're going to start posting it weekly and that'll drop on Fridays. Follow at it's me DPP on Twitter for all that information. And you can go on Facebook at facebook.com slash a winner is you, the letter U for more info. Mr. Dave. You can uh, check me out on Twitter at attitude AGG or on Facebook.com slash attitude of aggression. Dan, I mentioned to Tunny just yesterday about PGA Tour 21, PG or 2K21. Looks very yeah. promising. That looks really good. I'm looking forward to that coming out in August here. Uh, yep. oh, finally, might, a good, hopefully a good golfing game. I might even pre-order that. It, it's got me that excited. See, I'm desperate enough now to get a Nintendo Switch because they... Do you guys remember when we were doing the video game project, I talked about a game called Brigandine? Yep. Yesterday, they released a new version of Brigandine for the Nintendo Switch. Good luck finding and a I, Switch. I know. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> 500 bucks patrick it's chump change someday someday my friend we talked about that on our last uh, winner is you podcast that if they're impossible to find for not right now it's ridiculous ridiculous is the, is the operative word it's just so and it's it's not because there's it, the demand there's something going on there's some glitch and i don't know maybe you talked about it on your show but lots of theories about why they're not around yeah well someday i will own a switch and the new brigandine game if no, for no other reason than I secretly hope they'll refurb and re-release the old Brigandine game. 
Uh, but anyway, you can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch me here every Tuesday on Bandwagon Nerds. You can catch me every Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio with Craig DeMarco and Miranda Morales. Please take a moment and follow us on the Twitter on at Bandwagon Nerds. Spelled just like it sounds, nothing crazy or funny there. And uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Bandwagon Nerds here as a part of the ChairShot Media family on thechairshot.com. Now get on out of the basement, get some sun, maybe play a board game or two, and we'll see you next week. Now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb.